interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. Yes, yes indeed. Um, the story of the resurrection is not a myth. I mean, it might be a myth, but it's not just a myth. It, it, it certainly happened. Um, Christian hope is not just mental, not just mythic, but it is actual. Right. I guess I was thinking more of, of the body, yeah. the resurrection body. Right, that, right. 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 That seems to me that that fits fits very well. I'm not a theologian of the resurrection of Christ, but as a Christian believer, I'm one who worships Christ in and through the resurrection, and that, that fits very well, I think. The, I've, I've heard people say that one motive for work, working um, in whatever fields, um, in particular, I think they were referring to science at the time, was... Right. Still material world is somehow what we do here carries upon even in those fields, and, I, and I've had trouble really wrapping yeah, I'm not, around that and understanding yeah. it and making sense of it. I'm not going to comment on that because I, actually, my own sense is we really don't know too much about the heavenly right. realm. But 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 it's it's not implausible. I'd like to be able to uh, you know really play the oboe or the bassoon very well. And it's not going to happen in this life, but uh, maybe there's a chance later on. But if that would happen, it would be because of the goodness of God and the dignity of the material realm, and in this case, the aesthetic possibilities of praising God through music. Yes. Yes. Uh, in speaking of studying created things, which are also the work of Christ, how do you overcome problems of you know creation being fallen and you know, the devil? Right. 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 Yes, a very important point. How to how to reconcile uh, clear Christian teaching and the goodness of creation with the reality of the fall, the presence of evil, the evil one, devils. Um, these are complicating matters, and it would seem to me that uh, uh, what what makes things properly complicated, complicated in a productive way, is, is always to, to remember the, the interweaving of strands of revelation. And I do think this Colossian 1 passage is really tremendous in that regard, just because the numerous statements about all things coming from and being held together in Christ are, are, are interwoven seamlessly with statements about the need for redemption. Some of you will know that the one, at least one strand of biblical interpretation would interpret the thrones and powers and dominions of Colossians 1 as not just human thrones, but the spirit world. Um, my, my own sense, and I'd certainly be willing to be corrected, is that the fall um, affected creation because of how it affected humanity. 
And we, we certainly read in Apostle Paul that creation groans for its redemption, but I don't think creation groans in the same way that humanity groans. Humanity groans in rebellion. Is the creation rebelling? It certainly shows the effects of the fall. There are obviously disasters that take place in nature that hurt human beings, but I, I don't sense that the fall itself applies to nature per se as much as it does to how human beings use nature. Um, and, and on that front, um, the goodness of creation stands in the background of everything that human beings will, will do in creation, but the fall affects how that use is made. So that when, well, you, you know the examples. When humans use creation not for the goodness of humanity and the glory of God, but for the destruction of humanity and the exaltation of the self, this is a tremendous problem and has been and will continue to be. But the, the answer is not, I think, to look upon the created realm as the problem, but the use of the created realm. Do you say anything about that? I mean, that's a, that's a, the, the presence of evil, which I'll talk about a little bit in the last talk, the presence of evil makes any simple approach to learning as any simple approach to anything in life, parenting, um, aging, birth, makes any, any simple approach in, inadequate. But, but nonetheless, if, if you can't do simplicity, it doesn't mean you can't keep trying to be Christ-centered in what is done. Yeah, that's a very, very nice addition. What we read in Genesis is that creation becomes an unfriendly arena for humankind as a result of the fall. That's a, that's a very nice way of putting it. Yes. Yes. Would this, uh, what, what I've said about the God making and being able to use the particularity of intercultures be, be a step toward moral relativism and, and, and simply an acceptance of the way cultures are? Yes, I think that, that, that is a, a possibility and a problem. But, it, but again, um, and this is straight from Andrew Walls, but if, if, um, critical Christian conclusions are characterized by the nature of what's at the heart of Christianity, then there's never going to be one statement that is that pertains to any problem, the nature and dignity of individual human cultures. God, God is able to be heard and is near to every one of us. One teaching 
God calls all people to repentance and to turn to faith and to show the faith by their works. Another teaching. Um, the, 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 the task of Christian learning, it seems to me, is always to look for the balancing, always to look for the counterpoint to what seems most obvious to you at first. And I, I've actually been pleased, but partly, partly through good contact with some of the Catholics at Notre Dame who've been to Uganda and Chile and other places, uh, and real pleased to learn about what's now called, I think, the anthropology of Christianity, where there are at least a small school of people who are doing anthropological work with some sensitivity, at least, to these kind of Christian complexities. And that, that would certainly be a major change from the way anthropology has been done for quite a while. Yes? Yeah. Always pushing the edges. But I think Scripture has a lot to say about right. there being places that we should stop. Yes, uh, excellent contribution. The, the, if there is encouragement for academic life, intellectual life from Christological realities, are there not also warnings, guidelines, places to stop? Uh, very well put. Uh, Christian salvation means, I think, that... Uh, the realms of creation, the realms of humankind are wide open for Christians to study them. But it doesn't mean that, that the, the, the moral universe in which salvation was accomplished is, is set aside. So whenever any kind of study, in, and again, the, the Colossian passage, is, is, it seems like, I mean, I, one of the reasons I don't study is it's just such a rebuke. Every time I think, gee, that was a pretty good book. Gee, that was a great talk. Gee, the student stayed awake for a whole hour of a lecture. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says, you're saved by grace, not by works. So if, if you're aware all the time that you're saved by grace and not by works, I think it will relativize the absolute quality you ascribe to your own works. Now, obviously then it leaves a lot of questions because then, then there, you know, what is an appropriate use of some aspect of creation. That might actually be more than just a moral and, a, and you might actually have to study and talk and argue and things. But uh, I, yes, I think the, the, the realizing that the mandate to Christians to be active with the mind is part of a whole package that includes a mandate to remember that you are redeemed only by God's grace. And any time that you think you create or that you mandate then, then the fall and it's the effects of uh, human sinfulness are taking over. And I actually think that the, the evangelical movements are in a, a really good place in this regard because uh, even when we evangelicals sin in how we present the gospel, it, it's, it's sinning about the most important thing. And so... <laughs> So if a person is proud of, of what their accomplishments have been in student work, that's a problem. But evangelical student work is motivated 
with the right motives and aimed in the right directions. And so the, the words of correction are near to be heard. Let's see. Maybe we can do one more comment or question if you like. Maybe people are eager to get to eat. Yes. Yes, uh, Christian absoluteness and then various forms of absoluteness that come from the world. Uh, yes, uh, I think actually the lecture yesterday where, where I was able to take advantage of some of, of A.D. White's insights about Christendom are really a commentary on competing absolutisms, competing, competing universalisms. And certainly in its... In, in its uh, Secular and sometimes anti-Christian manifestations, we would say the Enlightenment was a counter-project to Christian theology, Christian life. Historians know that there were many varieties of the Enlightenment and and some were not nearly so aggressive in in trying to replace one total system with another uh, uh, total system. this is a wide, I'm very pleased to say like one and a half or two cheers for the Enlightenment. Not, not three cheers, but uh, because there is, there is a sense in which the human assumption that we can say true things about the whole world, that, there is a sense in which that's a Christian expression. But the difficulty with the Enlightenment or other communism or you know, total human you know, materialistic Naturalism. The, the, the difficulty is that uh, total systems that aren't rooted in God replace God. Whereas I think the kind of universalism I was talking about here, found in Christ, because it comes from Christ, it's always going to have some built-in self-denying checks. So a, a Christian person who studies the Scriptures and thinks, or studies the world, and thinks that that worldly study leads to some God-ordained truth, a Christian person um, should always also understand Christian teaching about the limitations of human intelligence. The tendency of even believers to turn the creation into an idol. And those kind of corrections seem to be built into Christian affirmations of universal truths hope and hopefully to, to moderate excesses in a way that I think the, the worst results of the Enlightenment had no moderation. Um, so it, Christ, Christianity as a whole stands behind Christian affirmation of universal truths. And Christianity as a whole should, I think, encourage individual Christian believers and Christian communities to, to affirm that God alone is the one who knows all things truly. God has graciously allowed humankind, believers and non-believers, to understand an awful lot about the world. But all of that understanding about the world needs to be countered and held in balance by what we learn in Scripture about how we abuse the world. So the, the, the Christian principle of universal truth 
is going to have some kind of way of checking excesses that, that, uh, that maybe uh, universalism from the Enlightenment did not have. 